It's a pleasure to see you all today. Welcome to Live from My Drum Room and my special guest, Chris Layton. And without any further ado, please welcome my pal, Chris Layton. Hey! Hey! And there he is. All right. I love Hi, man. John. How are you? I'm great, Chris. Man, it's so good to see you, buddy. It's so, what a, a sight for sore eyes. Thank you. I know, man. It's been, you know, it's been a minute since we've seen each other in person, too. I I, I think it was, yeah. I, I don't think I've, we've spoken a number of times, but I think not since leaving Zildjian have I actually been able to see you in person, so. I don't think so. Come on back, John. Come back into the business. <laughs> I like working with people like you. No um, one quite like you, but anyway. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I, I, I was, you know, I, we started talking about this a little bit off the air, too. I, w- I was so excited to meet you that first time that, that we really got to hang out at a Hendrix, uh, Experience Hendrix show. And and then when you ended up coming over to Zildjian not long after that, it was a, a real honor for me because I've been such a fan of your drumming for so long. So, Oh, thanks. well, thank you. Yeah, that's funny because I remember when I was sat down, I thought, Mitch, Mitch has got a whole new set of symbols over there. Zildjian, the kind that I grew up with. Um, even though I defected for a while and um, I was playing him and I looked over and I saw you and went, huh, who's that guy over there, I wonder? And I um, played a little while longer and I thought, and I go, I gotta go. This guy's just over there, like looking at me. I gotta go find out. <laughs> Never seen this guy before. He's not with the show. I gotta see who this guy is. <laughs> and it was you. It was yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And I was. I'm I was, glad all that happened. Me too, buddy. Me too. No. And I was looking at you, and I'm going, "Oh, it's Chris Layton, and he's playing some Zildjians." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, that was. It was a trip. I think back to um, that was 2007. And uh, in like November, you guys are up at the casino in Hampton Beach, and Mick Taylor was on that gig. I got to meet Mick Taylor that first time, and um, yeah, but, and but it just you know I was there to see Mitch, and then I knew you were on the gig, and I was just hoping to meet you and say hello, and then we ended up really kind of just connecting. I think really quickly, and we, I think I saw you at the Nam show in January after that. And then we had a few conversations and yeah, it was meant to be, you know, for, for the viewing audience, John DeChristopher said, Hey, if there's anything, don't take this the wrong way. There's anything I can do for you. Don't hesitate to call me. <laughs> <laughs> I went, hmm. What does that well, it mean? Just so happens. It just so happens that, you know, I think maybe I should call him up. <laughs> oh man i know yeah well that, you know it was, it was kind of part of the job back then you know was to to not be too pushy but just but seriously to let you know that i i you know i i wouldn't want you to walk away thinking you know uh, that i that i wouldn't be interested in working with you you know so i i'm glad the message got received <laughs> it's all worked out just like it's supposed to i'd say i think so <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, so, so what's happening? So, what do you want yeah. to know? What can I, I, what can know. I do? Are you are you back out? Are you have you started to kind of get? I think from what I've seen, you've been back out there working with with Kenny, doing some tour dates. Yeah, we. Yeah, in fact, the last week we got off a, a month run, which was pretty much a, a many states, mostly the West Coast, but west of Dallas, <clears throat> and. Tuesday, I fly to Des Moines, Iowa, and we start another two run the two two week run that's around through the Midwest and um, yeah. so on and so forth. He's, he's got a, a full year um, outlined, and uh, in between all that, in, in the times off, we something happened back in the fall that the Archangels came back together, and so we're going to be doing some shows. That's great. Uh, I, I, the, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, which we've already done some, and it's been that's been fabulous, really. That, yeah. and, and and maybe any like any new recordings or anything, or is there going to be any talk of that, or is it it's going to be touring mostly? Well, we've got these shows that people have offered us, and we're going to go do them. And um, in my way of thinking, it's let's just take it as it comes. Yeah. You know, there's been talk about Doyle and Charlie. That's Doyle Bram Hall too, and Charlie Sexton writing songs. Let's get together and. 
but everybody's been also busy otherwise. Charlie's been working with um, Elvis Costello and Doyle with, with Clapton. And so mm-hmm. kind of like, well, when, whenever we get around to doing anything, we'll just cross that bridge when we get to it and see what it means. So in the moment, um, you know, we were the band that made that one record before we broke up. <laughs> Right, but right, we've yeah. incorporated a lot of other stuff into the into these new these shows these these recent shows, and uh, we're just playing music. So we're playing those songs, but you know every show has been really different. So it's been kind of exciting because you know we we've all been together in a lot of ways over a long period of time. So we can just sit down and start playing literally anything, anywhere, and it usually sounds pretty good. So. Um, we're a blues band we're a blues band that's kind of what we're doing we're 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 playing it as we feel it that's great man that's i'm i'm happy about that i'm happy that you're back you know i i think of you as as a guy that's you're you're used to being on the road you know and working all the time and the couple of years that we had that layoff you know that must have been i mean did you were you able to to do anything locally at least as far as keeping busy playing wise or I did something within after about right within the tail end of that first year from March into the fall of 2020. And I did a Sunday afternoon thing, an organ trio thing, me and Mike Flanagan and Sue Foley at a place um, called the Sagebrush, a real old Texas dance hall. And everybody followed all the stuff. But we sat down, we played three hours every Sunday um, for, uh, I don't know what we do that for two and a half months. Um, but no, um, this this month that I just did was the first time I've actually been out. I did stuff online sessions and some other things, but um, it was the first time in 48 years that I had not played for that long. It was what's funny was like right before that happened, we were doing a show. I was with Kenny in Southern Louisiana, and we were sitting around dinner. And I said, what, I go, what would you guys think? What if we if you didn't work for like six months or a year or something for whatever reason? <laughs> how you would think about your work or what it would mean to you. And, and I was like, Oh, everyone, I got to do scales and my armature and my lips and my, you know, my, all this. Stuff. I said, no, I'm just talking about your, you know, how would, where do you think, how you would think you would conceptualize you and your life? And they went, ah, you know, whatever. So it was like 10 days later came the lockdown. Oh my God. <laughs> A couple yeah. of guys come to go, what were you talking about back there at that dinner? I was like, I don't know. It just kind of came to me. Right. <laughs> and so then I had my chance to see, oh, what, what does everything mean? You know, like lots of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, what came to me that no matter what, I think that, you know, for me, that my life really as a player is really me being on a stage and making music with people in the moment. And I'm the drummer in that situation. And that's really kind of the, the total, the sum total of all that. That's yeah. kind of where I live. Yeah. 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 Yep, being part of a band, and and yeah, one of you know yeah. one of the one of the components of of you know of a, of an ensemble of players. Yeah, that's and a darn good one yeah. too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but well, we did make a couple of records. Come to think of it, in that um, July of 2020, I did a record with Mike Flanagan. It was me, Mike Flanagan, and Sue Foley, and it was his record. And we did that. But it was great. We sat down in one day and we did it. Everybody, it was one of those things we said, I am so glad that to be doing this, it sounded great. And then, and then like two weeks later, we did Sue Foley's record, the same three people. And that record's doing really good for us. She's nominated for a, an award in Canada and um, she's out touring that right now. So these were two things that happened in a short period of time where you really got to like realize what it all means. Um, yeah. And when you did that record, did you do it all together or did you do it? You did. Yeah. We, we sat down and we just played through the songs. A few of them, a couple of times, and most of it was just one time through takes. And there was this energy and this whole thing about it was like, um, it's kind of like being real thirsty in the desert or hungry. And then you get a bite to eat something to drink, that kind of feeling where you yeah, go, yeah. I'm so glad I do this. I'm so glad I get to do this. And and I'm sure, like like you said too, like you 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 do one take and you know you're not going you you won't get anything better than that one. Like even if you did another take, that's going to be the one because well, it. <laughs> well, it's funny after we got done when we were as we were doing that with, on, on on Mike Flanagan's record, 
we'd play a song. I go, that, I go, that was really good. He goes, yeah, I think this sounds good. He goes, let's, let's do another, let's do another song. And, I, and he, he, he said, he told some people this, he told me, uh, he said, you remember that? He goes, like after about four or five songs, he looked at me and said, are we, are we doing a record? Are we, are we just, are we doing a record? Cause all we were just playing music and we were kind of yeah, how we yeah. made Texas flood. That's kind of how we made the tapes that were the Texas flood tapes that became the album. Wow. We were just making music and go, yeah, that's cool. Let's uh, do another song. You know, so like, are we, yeah. are we doing a record for sure? <laughs> we'll talk about, let's, I, I, I wanted to jump back to, to like, we talked a little bit about, again, when we were offline about your sort of early days as a drummer and taking some lessons, but really pretty much being self-taught, right? I mean, that's. Yeah. You know, with you, along, you with some, the help of everybody along the way as an inspiration or a little, little bit of like, well, look, look, check this out. And, you know, you know, yeah, everybody yeah. helps. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and who, like when, when you started like getting into music as a, as a, you know, 10 or 11, 12 year old, like what were some of the bands you were listening to at that time? Like, was it British bands? Was it? Was oh it like yeah. Well, yeah. Or? Well, you know what? No, never really much Elvis. And that was just a little bit earlier. Yeah. You know, this in the scope of like a six year old's life for three or four years is like everything, obviously. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I did hear, and I and basically I was somebody who was listening to um, the radio because I thought, wow, if everybody's listening to this stuff, I go, you should probably listen to it. And then you yeah. liked it, some of whatever, um, Beatles. Uh, my sisters bought a, this Chubby Checker record, and it had the twist on it, and I heard it, and for some reason that that thing did something to me. I got excited, and my hair stood up, and that's when I went and cut a couple of branches, started beating around on stuff, and they happened to be from a poisonous bush and my mother freaked out. And that's when my dad, that's when oh. my dad saw that. And he, and he stopped my mother. He said, okay, he goes, just hang on a second. He goes, go wash your hands and come back here. I thought, oh, guy's going to, I'm going to get a spanking or something. Back in the days when people spank kids, you know, more often, I think. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, he came back with this stack of 78s in these bound volumes and he started playing I me. Mean, first thing he put on was the chick web orchestra. Wow. And, and, I went, wow, what is this? Uh, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Glenn Miller, Harry James. And we spent like hours and he just kept playing all these bands. I went, what in the world? I've never even, what is this? Uh, he, and he told me, and he talked about it. Wow. And um, he went back to the closet and came out with some brushes, threw down the Sunday paper and started playing along with some of it. And then he told me that he had been a drummer in the non-commissioned officers club, the jazz group when he was in Italy um, during the war. And I went, wow. Um, so I just wanted, yeah, I just kept on playing, but early on it wasn't long too many. Oh, when was that? That was six years. I was, um, that was been 1961. And so I just started borrowing. They wouldn't get me a drum kit. You know, it was like, we're, you know, you want a drum kit? Go find some money. It was, they were tougher <laughs> back then, you know? Yeah. So you want, yeah, if you want to do all that stuff, you'll find a way to do all that stuff. It's like, but I heard on the radio one day, I heard Hey Joe by the Jimmy, this band called the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Wow. And I went, what is that? And that drummer sounds like those guys on those 78s, but it's a whole different bag. Right. There was right. something that was I that I pulled from that. I went, wow, you know. Did you I ever love tell this. Mitch that story? Did you were you able? Yeah, to, I did. You must have told Mitch that. Yeah. Yeah, we wow. talked a lot. You know, Mitch and I had some great times together. I mean, sitting on the. I remember one conversation sitting on the curb. We were working together. We were sitting on the curb of some street in Portland, Oregon, and we talked about all kinds of stuff. I really liked him. He was such a whack dude. You know, he he was such a witty guy, and I just. <laughs> I, I love the guy. It was just so out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And his playing. I mean, his playing, you like go, who, who comes up with shit like that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I know. Um, I know. At the time. But um, so yeah, we talked about we talked about those things. Uh you know, Michael Shree, when I first heard uh Soul Sacrifice. Yeah. And uh, in the San original Santana band, I went, wow, I just love all that. So there all these things kind of really kind of ignited my curiosity and kind of inspired me and i took i had a big Motorola console the family did i set up when i finally got a drum kit when i finally made enough money and then my dad was willing to match that and i got my little ludwig downbeat kit 
I set it up in front of the Motorola and I took all these records and I put them on. I'd see if I could cop the feel and figure out the licks and, you know, like probably most other people starting with anything, you know, sure. yeah, it's, it's accessible. And I, I had fun doing it. That was kind of the thing. I, um, I loved it sitting, you know, as a, as a 15 year old going, yeah, I think I'm going to play fire now. And I'm going, what's he doing? How do you do that? I mean, he's doing a lot of stuff there and, uh, you know, in regards to Mitch and the experience and, and the and fire of the track. But so I don't know, you know, I just, it just kept on and, you know, now it's, um, you know, yeah. however many years later. And so, 66. so, so as a, so you started playing, like you had your drum kit around 13, say 13, 14. Before, I got, yeah. Right. As I was turning 14, I actually got my own drum kit. I actually struck deals with people to rent drum kits from them. Um, I had a, a friend of mine, his older brother had a red sparkle Ludwig and he stopped playing him. And I said, well, can I play him? And the older brother said, no, no, you got to rent him from me. Um, <laughs> and so I rented him from him for 50 uh, cents a week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you, you know, you do whatever you can, you know? Um, yeah. He now works for Live Nation, that guy, whoever he is. <laughs> I wonder where he is. I I'm forget kidding, his man. name. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, yeah, he might, actually. <laughs> no offense I work for, for Live Nation. Hey, I work for Live Nation, too. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I, I don't anymore, but I probably used to. Um, no, yeah. but that's, that's a great story. So, so how, so how early on at that point did you start like playing with other guys, like get into, into bands and stuff, like start playing in a band? I'm guessing not long after, right? I mean, you no, like you- I get, you know, 16 years old. I met some guys. We used to gig in the garage and we'd play some parties or anybody who played anything. Uh, I was, I was down in Corpus Christi, Texas, the drum yeah. set rental deal with the guy started in a little town North of there. Um, called named Mathis, Texas, 6,000 population farming community. And you, there wasn't, wasn't, there weren't any record stores and the radio station we got was KTSA that would beam from San Antonio. And so I listened to that radio and the rest of it was, you just, it was catch, catch can. Uh, um, And so anybody that had anything, we say, well, let's get together and do something. I'll, you know, and it it could be me and a guitar player. I mean, a guy playing a piano, um, the whole duo idea was early in my uh, development, but at 16, you know, I found a couple of guys and we got together, we jammed, we played some parties and I actually didn't have my first really pro- my pro- professional gig until I had turned 18. No, kidding. I really had, didn't have much. No, I didn't have much experience. Um, and I played a club gig and it was a cover band. Um, and I remember thinking, I don't want to play other people's music. I mean, I was arrogant, you know, <laughs> I want to do my own thing, you know? Um, but I, but I did that for a few yeah. months and it was four sets a night and it was good for me to do that. Uh, and then I started going to Del Mar music school. We were talking about that, which is totally the year there. Pretty much all I ever did was convince the department to, to, to let us put together a stage band because North Texas had one. Why didn't Del Mar college in Corpus Christi? And so between that and surfing, that was kind of my, my life. <laughs> surfing and a stage band and and the gig that i had at the rogues club and that's great and living, it was after man. it was great living uh my dad had uh died and i woke up one day i told you the story about doyle horton who was kind of a renowned texas rudimental uh teacher yeah. he told me i had to hold the sticks match i had to hold the sticks traditional and i'd switch from from traditional to matched a few years before because i saw billy cobham do it and and he said he, he I couldn't study with him unless I gave up the grip. And so I got up and I left and never studied with him. And, you know, a, a week or so later, that's when I completely just left Corpus Christi and decided to move to Austin and see what might happen. Wow. Yeah. And and that what you were about 20 when you moved to Austin, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I had just turned 20. You just turned 20. Uh, I, yeah, my birthday's in November. And I remember I arrived in Austin uh, in 1975, December 18th. Oh, that was my 15th yeah. birthday. Wow. Really? Yeah. It's my no birthday, kidding. December 18th. Yeah. How about, see, again, it's small world, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, wow. So moving to Austin must've just been like, like opening a, a, a door that, was incredible in terms of like playing with other people and the, the 
opportunities, right? I mean, in terms, although, I mean, I think of it as being, I know what it's like now. Was it, it had to be a scene back then. Oh God. Uh, there are two things I would say about Austin. When, when I got to Austin, I actually didn't. I moved into a little town named Manor that was 14 miles outside of Austin because some friends of ours who had come up here to do a project and it turned into like a huge drug bust and everybody bailed out and ran home. I just paid rent on this little shack out in this tiny town. And when I heard my friends say, yeah, man, we just paid rent like day before yesterday. I said, you just paid rent and now you're back here? Like, yeah, the house is just sitting up there. I turned to a couple of friends of mine, Ricky and Sid Sanchez. I go, let's move to Austin. And so we quit school. We got in our cars and we just went to that place. No furniture. And we just drove up and we go, now we live in Austin. <laughs> now what? <laughs> exactly. So the, so the two things I'd say about Austin was that there was music everywhere, all kinds of music. It was a really, really cheap city to live in. It was cheaper than Corpus Christi. Wow. And we got up here and went, wow, this place is cheaper than, you know, we go buy stuff and go, this is cheaper than it is in Corpus. Uh, but there was that, that it was cheap and there was so much music everywhere. And the other one is that nobody gave a damn that we were there. Yeah. They go, we don't know. You know, we go, Hey, can we play? Go, no. You get like 20 other guys who want to jam and play. We don't, we don't care who you are. We don't care where you came from or we don't, we don't care. And so like anything else is like the long road. The long yeah, road is yeah. that we just kept trying to figure out how can we get in there? Well, that band broke up and, um, you know, there's a long kind of more intricate story about that, that led me to ultimately meeting Stevie yeah. and us finding this common thing that he was seemed to be surprised that, that I knew who Ray Charles was and loved Ray Charles and Stevie wonder and miles Davis, and of course, Jimi Hendrix and, so on and so forth. And I was amazed that he was so surprised because um, there was kind of a, you know, there was one little uh, faction of music in Austin that was kind of like the blues scene. Well, there was a reggae scene. There was a country swing scene, a country swing scene. There was cosmic cowboy stuff going on. There was, I mean, it was just crawling with all these little different genres of music. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like one big community, though it wasn't it wasn't segregated as people living together right right because right. everybody was like yeah i know joe ely and there's all these you know there was like the country rockers and there was the outlaws and there was you know the jazz guys the bebop there's a bebop thing going on and um and all this yeah. stuff that was happening um but then the music. blues thing music it was just music that was happening but yeah. um there was a thing that you know stevie was playing blues and we jammed together inadvertently. I actually sat in for a drummer who was late with my roommate's band and we kind of hit it off and he came over to the apartment. That person, we were roommates and he worked in this band. Stevie was in the band. Drummer was late. I sat in. Stevie kind of kept looking around. He came over to the apartment the next day. We started talking. That's when we started talking about musical um, commonalities. He's like, man, you like all those people? I was like, yeah, I mean, I said, man, I, you know what? I, I'd love to work with you. I don't care how we do it, where we do it, what it means, how much money. We, I don't care about any of that stuff. I go, I just like to work with you. And then a short while later, he asked me to join the band. Him and, and Luann Barton together. Was he pretty well established at that point, Chris? Like, was he, was he one of the, no, he wasn't, no. he wasn't, not yet. No, no, God, no. In fact, I was working with a band called Greasy Wheels, which was kind of considered a cosmic cowboy country hippie band and, they were on London records and I was getting a paycheck every Friday. And that was actually, that, that's when I woke up and went, I'm really a professional drummer and I'm playing music that I'm helping make, not being in a cover band. Yeah. I went, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I went, through a, I went through this kind of crisis where I'm going, I want to play drums, but you know, I grew up going, my dad was a businessman and people went to college. They got a chance to go to college. They did and, you know, made something of themselves and all that. stuff. I was like, well, I'm, um, it was kind of a, a crisis of confidence and like path and like, what do you really want to do? And what can you expect to accomplish? All those kinds of things were swirling in my head. But when I was in this band, Greasy, I was like, I'm a professional drummer. And I work every day and I get a paycheck and I pay my rent, and my bills and taxes and all the, all the rest of it. And so when I went to what the idea with Stevie was, he was kind of a shot loose guy who didn't have anywhere to live. He didn't have a car. Sometimes he borrowed equipment. Um, 
the leader of that band, Greasy Wheels, took me by the shoulders and he said, kid, they used to call me kid because I was 20, you know, I was 20 years old, just turned 21. And they were all older. You know, they were in their 30s. Like, You're making the biggest mistake of your life doing anything with that guy. Oh. He's got he's a shot loose guy. He doesn't have his shit together. He's like this and that. I go, I don't care, man. That's where I know I need to be. You know, so. Um, and then I left and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I do have to pay rent next month. We don't, you know, we don't even have what gig is that we have. And it, it was a really shot loose thing. So it was a long road. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a long road. And was it, I mean, was it his guitar playing that just like spoke to you and you just, you just knew in your heart, like, I got to work with this guy, man. He's just, there's something about this guy that's just so special. No, it was that. Yeah. I mean, he was the kind of the, the, the guitar player that everybody came to know. He wasn't that guy, but he he played when I first saw him, which was a, which one was one time before with that band. And then when I sat in because the drummer was late, I go, there was a thing about him that I couldn't even put my finger on. And that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I went, what is that? What's going on over there? Yeah. This guy has something going on. And I, and I don't know what it is, but I've never experienced it with anybody else. I've never encountered it. And I go, and I was absolutely fascinated by that. I go, I just know that there's some kind of treasure there to, um, you know, that maybe we can all unlock together or something. I don't know what, you know, I'm just making up words now. You know? No, no, but, but I, but I know um, what you're saying though, but you, you felt something that like, like even with people telling you like, stay away from this guy, you're like, no, 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 man, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta see where this is going to go. You know, you know, I've never gonna... met anybody that was more real and committed to committed to being like real meaning like, does it mean something to us? And if it doesn't, I don't care what it means. Otherwise it means nothing. If it doesn't mean something that's real. And the, to me, that was the gold standard. Cause yeah. I think that everything yeah. comes after that, honestly, in my way of, in my experience now, after all these years, um, just, 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 just me is that these other things can be like these, these, these trails of, of fool's gold. I want to do this so I can do that. And I want to do this so I can get that. And I want to do this so I can become this. And I want to, I go, is it real? And I go, that's, that was one of the biggest tragedies of losing Stevie because when Tommy joined the band, we all three were really together on that. We didn't really care about anything past the point is like, is this feel real to us? Cause if it doesn't feel real, then it's just bullshit. And we shouldn't be doing whatever it is in the moment that we're doing. Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't want to sound like we were like, you know, kings of any type other than about examining how we felt about what we did because we had plenty of other issues you know that you know that we struggled with and by the time stevie passed away we had gotten most of those settled that's why it was like wow it seems like the future is really wide open now you know and then boom it all ended so um yeah that was a hard one because yeah yeah i would say I, i mean i as an outsider looking in i would say you were exactly right that that at that point in time, it, it seemed like you guys had really kind of established yourselves as, you know, knowing that you, the band had been together, what, 10 years at that point already anyway. I mean, you'd made a bunch 13. of records. 13, okay. You'd made 13, a bunch of records. 13, I played with Stevie, yeah. Wow. But by 1990, like it was just, you were poised to really kind of, it seemed to go like to like another level, you know? Well, you know, I had all these narratives going on in my head. I'm thinking, wow, you know, because I was always kind of like the business guy of the group. And then I told you, I've told you before, my dad was a General Motors car dealer. So I grew up kind of wandering around the dealership and looking at people in the accounting department and in the shop and in sales and parts department and, you know, the general maintenance of 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 a decent sized business. So when I got when I was got into where I was in the middle of the music business, although there's a lot of stuff that needs to be paid attention here because I already had experienced it. Nobody taught me the stuff specifically, but I, I realized the existence of it. Um, and I, I saw that, you know, and I see it in the, in back, at least in that point in the music business, the idea that, well, if I'm just real good at what I do, that a bunch of neat stuff will just happen for me. And that I'll just, um, but when at the point that Stevie, passed away i looked at so i went wow like we're in the arenas and we've got a full-scale tour of uh south america and we were doing a thing with the state department to do four shows in china and, and two couple of shows in russia and that was before the wall came down and all this stuff was big deal stuff and then we were looking at you know like, I'm not, and i'm thinking 
you know what, I'm going to be wealthy. You know, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be playing arenas and maybe I'll buy two Ferraris and, you know, all that stuff that's like, and then when it went away, I went, well, you know, that's pretty fucked up, you know, on that. But, and then, yeah, so I did, there was a lot of reckoning through the years. So, you know, that's never what it was really about anyway. So it does all that, that specifically didn't really matter. Don't get me wrong. I've done well and there's nothing, you know, I'd rather have done well than done really poorly. I mean, on the material sure. scale. So, yeah. but yeah. that's not what drove us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, and and I, I, I don't think anybody ever felt that way about you guys. That it was, there was any sort of commercial um, influence there, you know, or or motivation. It was like you talk about music that you played from your heart. You know, it was because it, you know, because it, it wasn't. I, I don't. I'll say this. I know you won't take it the wrong way, but it's, it wasn't music that was for everybody. You know what I mean? It wasn't pop right. music that, that, but, it, but for people that, but for people that loved what you guys did, it was just, it was so soulful, you know, it was like, it was just so good for their soul and, and, uh, heart, you know, like, well, real. you know, it's funny because we had, finally we had all these, you know, through time early on, we had all the, all the major labels come look at us and they went, yeah. God, a really good band and guitar players, just unbelievable. But you guys aren't going anywhere with all that stuff. You know, that's like old stuff. Nobody cares about any of that stuff anymore. You know, when, when Texas Blood came out, there was Talking Heads, Culture Club, Flock of Seagulls, the cult. I mean, it just uh, psychedelic furs. And there was a whole different thing that was happening. Yeah. Um, the police, that was a band I went, those guys, I think they got something that I went, that, that's real stuff to me. You know, I looked that way. That's really like they're, yeah. They're in there. Um, but people said, yeah, they don't, nobody cares about that. And and if it hadn't been for John Hammond, who had got slipped a tape of us by his son, who loved the band, he, he said, I love you guys. And Stevie, I haven't heard anybody like that since Robert Johnson. And um, he made the call to CBS Records to his guy, his friend up there, Greg Geller, who could sign. He said, Greg, just sign these guys. I'm telling you, it's going to be the right thing to do. He goes, and it needs to be heard. And so he went, John, if you tell me to do that, I'll just do it. But I say that because years later, people say, yeah, you know, we had bets going around the hallway that you guys wouldn't, you couldn't come out of the gate with more than 10 or 15,000 sales just because we're doing business up here, you know? So we had bets at the coffee machine and, <laughs> you know, then when, you know, Texas Blood sold almost 600,000 records, like, we love you. We always knew that you could. Come. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I didn't say any of that. I didn't say, I forgot to say any of that stuff at the Rock Hall inductions. Like, we always knew you could do it, you know? <laughs> Oh man. Hey, I, you know, I, I apologize because there's a whole bunch of great comments and for whatever reason, the feed didn't come through. I had to refresh it. And now I'm seeing all kinds of great comments that you can, you can look at later, but um, I'm going to see if I can find any questions or anything that I should just throw at you. But in the meantime, I want to ask you about your playing. I want to ask you like, so you, you got into, started playing in bands around age 16. You've been playing a few years at that point. Um, had your style become more or less fully formed or was it begun beginning to get formed at that point or was moving to Austin? Like when I hear you play a shuffle, it sounds so natural. Like you, like you were born playing it just because it's, and people here like me on the East coast think that all you guys from Texas just wake up one morning and can play that shit. And it makes us crazy by the way. Because it's, oh, okay. it's so good. No, but I'm just wondering, like, hey, welcome to my club. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, did was Stevie's was Stevie's influence a big part of that? Like, as far as how your how your playing developed, or was it already kind of a style? And that no, oh, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because there was this great story in my life. Um, I got a call, and Stevie said. Hey man, he goes, what are you doing? I said, um, I'm just here at the apartment. He said, uh, why don't you come over to the whole sound? It's over here on Red River's little recording studio in a little tiny one room basement deal. And I went, okay. So I went over there and I walked in and there was a drum kit and there was Stevie standing there. His guitar was on the guitar stand and there was WC Clark, bass player, guitar player, singer, songwriter. Great. Just love the man. And, um, and WC says, I want you to come over here and sit down here at the drum kit. I went, Stevie kind of went like, yeah, go ahead and go. You know, I went, okay. And um, he said, uh, 
why don't you uh, play? You're from Corpus Christi, right? I said, yeah. He goes, why don't you uh, play me a shuffle? So I sat down and started going, kind of more like you can't get enough of your love. And he goes, no, 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 no. He said, he goes, I want you to play quiet. He said, I'm going to come over and say a few things in your ear. He goes, no, don't look at me. He goes, just look straight ahead. He goes, I'm going to come over. And he put, came right over here into my right ear. And he bent over. And he said, I want you to play as quiet as you can. And he said, you know how to play a swing beat. I went, yeah. He goes, well, why don't you double that? This is what we call the double shuffle, right? He said, yeah, you know, the chew tobacco, chew tobacco, you know. And I sort of playing. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, he said, well, you know, that's that's a that's a later label, but that's kind of the chew tobacco. So I started playing it. And he said, no, no. He goes, he goes, what? He goes, so I want you to, he goes, keep playing. He goes, don't look at me. I'm going to keep talking. He goes, keep playing, play quiet. And I was going, he said, um, I want you to think, you know, you're from the coast. He goes, I want you to look out there and imagine like the waves are coming. There's swells, right? And they turn into the waves. Swell comes up and it breaks. The swell comes up and it breaks. He goes, I want you to think about that. And then this is what's, this is what's, I'm telling you, this is priceless. This is priceless. (laughs) All of a sudden, my feel changed and I was doing something I had never done before. And I started playing this thing and I looked up and Stevie started smiling and then Stevie went over and put on the guitar and then the three of us started playing a little bit of that for a while. Wow, man. And I was like, and that, and that, that, and you know what? And we were done and Stevie said, cool, man, see you later. And they left. And so I left cause I don't, I don't know where the hell I was. You know, I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, this is not my, and that was that. And then, he, and then he asked me to play in the band. Um, so the thing about, you know, the shuffle was that when I started hanging out with him and we we're working, he had all these great records. His brother, Jimmy, had just and all the people in that realm had all these wonderful records. And I started listening to everything, uh, the slow blues, shuffles, all of it. I go, man, they really they all sound really, really different. And they're really unique to the person playing. them. Right. Right. They're simple to do technically. I mean, technically, anybody who can almost play a drum set can technically do them. So I don't have anything yeah. really to say that about that. Um, well, I was talking to Aaron Franklin, the guy who's kind of renowned for his barbecue and barbecue brisket down here in Texas. And I said, you know, I said, you're, yeah, I said, you know, I said, your brisket and all your barbecue. So that brisket is like, oh, he said, you know, he goes, that's kind of all I've been thinking about for the most part for 25 years. He said, so I'm looking, I think, what could I you know, look, keep looking at it a different way. So I read, you know what, maybe that's what that was where I listened to all these great people and all these records and go, that's different than that. And kind of go, what is that? How do you do that? How does that feel? And, and I think it's really, when you talk about cop and a feel, it's kind of used in some other ways and other realms <laughs> of life, but, um, but I know, you know what you mean. Um, yeah. You know, you're going and, and I go, so that just, um, and I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I don't always know what that's like until I go back and maybe listen to myself doing it. But I think, well, it must be something. Parts of it are, are unique to me because I'm the guy that's playing it at the moment. But it was, yeah. I mean, before that, that and a lot of other things were like, well, it's just a swing beat. Well, it's a shuffle. Well, it's kind of a rock and roll thing where you listen to Earl Palmer play a rock and roll thing or Freddie Below or it could be any number of people. They go and they play these things. They go, they, they have a signature. And I go, that was what was fascinating to me was to, to have a to be able to have a style or a signature as opposed to being a, somebody who could technically be able to move through being a jack of all trades. Yeah. I'm not kind of to me fit in the idea of a band of an identity of a developing a thing and trying to create. Right. On every level. Yeah. Whether yeah. it was lyrical creation, compositional, you know, theoretical you know, everything all the way down to like, what's the creation amongst the, the players themselves and how you can you put those ideas together to create something that might be unique. And to me, that was, to me, that was always just, you know, a, a fascinating idea because you'll be listening to all this music by all these different people that we've heard. And they go, they sound like something different or they can't, you know, a new band yeah. comes along and go, I can see where the parts are where they came from, but they're, they're, they're a different thing and they're kind of unique. And I thought, Wow, it'd be cool to be 
more unique than more common and just following a line. So did you have that in, were you, were you thinking about that? Like, like when you, when you started to develop your shuffle, for example, were you thinking, I want to try to play something a little more unique or did it just, did it just happen that way? It just was the way you interpreted it and you just, it became your thing. I thought about none of that shit back then. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love you, man. Honest answer. No, but no, but, no, but, but, but there was something that I didn't know, you know, and I, and to me, this has been, you know, in, in 20 years or so, as CB passed away, I got a long time to reflect on that and many other things, because that was the most traumatic thing that ever had occurred in my life. It still is. I thought, yeah. what did it all mean? And what does it mean? And what can I glean from how I need to reconcile that because it was it really bent me over um, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. You know, it. I mean, all these things. You know, we we all struggle with drugs and alcohol and all that, and that stuff got worse. So I had to come to a reckoning and start trying to unwind. You know, the ball of things. And and one of the things that I discovered was the thing that I didn't consciously know, but something that drove me is that I wanted to try to figure out how do you get between the lines of life and see what's inside there. Mm. Um, and that was just part of it. So everything that I just told you before I told you, I didn't know any of that shit back then was that I went, yeah, that's what inadvertently um, something else was giving me the challenge or the place to be able to try to, to go there. But I didn't really quite understand it, but I was always continually driven towards it. Yeah. Does that make, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and I think, I think probably you'd probably attribute some of it to being, really young still, you know, in, in your early twenties, right? Maybe mid twenties by that time. And when actually you started playing with Stevie, you were about 23, 24. When was that? 1978. Yeah. Yeah. So 20 so, September 78, 23, 23. Um, so it, you know, it's funny yeah. about this. Uh, about five years ago I was in Providence, Rhode Island. And there was a guy, uh, he was a drummer. He's a, a, a teacher. And I ran into him and, um, he said, oh, man, you know, that story that Joe Sublette tells, he was my roommate back in the day that when we were room, we were roommates, he was he played in the Paul Ray and the Cobras, the band that I sat in with when the drummer was late. And he said, yeah, Joe Sublette, tell me about that story about Stevie and him talking outside on y'all's porch, you know, when he came in and I went, I don't know anything about that. What are you talking about? He said, ask, ask, ask Joe to tell you. And so what I didn't know and only found this out five years ago, thereabouts, was that the day Stevie came over to the apartment and walked in on me and found me playing along to a Donny Hathaway record, everything is everything. Um, that's where we got off into the musical discussion with him saying, you like Donny Hathaway? I went, Oh man, are you kidding? Yeah. This record's like one of the greatest. He said, I, I love that record. That's where that's what started that conversation that when he came to the door, Joe answered the door. He said, he said, Hey, come out here for a minute. Stevie said to Joe, so bloody said, Hey, come out here for a minute. He said, um, has he ever played blues? And Joe said, you know what, man, he never has he's never been in a blues band in his life. And then Joe told me, he said, Steve, he said, that's good. He goes, Oh, it is. I mean, he said, yeah, he goes, why is, why is that? I mean, I don't know. Why is that good? He said, cause he didn't have a bunch of preconceptions and whatnot about like what things are supposed to be and what they've got to be and what they should be. He goes, that's cool. So really, you know, me playing with Stevie and he, and he told me this one time, he said, you know what? He said, man, he goes, you got, there's a lot of things about you that I would like to have. I'd like to be more like you in a lot of ways. He goes, and maybe I got a bunch of things that I could give to you together. We could be much better together. Wow. And so he never, he wow. didn't, Stevie didn't elaborate. He wasn't a person that elaborated on anything. He just throw things out there. Yeah. Um, kind of like my father. My father was like that. But but I he think just, what he said, yeah, but I think what Stevie said to you speaks volumes for me. I think my the way I would take that is that you know, we can kind of we can we can learn from each other, you know, and and I can I can I can definitely you know, kind of be maybe and not so much influenced, but I can I can learn from the way you interpret things and you could learn from my way of it, you know, it's Yeah, and he was you know, he was a hard deep. he was a really yeah, and I was really deep because I think I know what that meant later on. I came to see, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think that's what he, because he was just a, a stellar musician. 
I mean, there, he was one of those guys that was just tapped in. I mean, he'd pick up a bass guitar. He was just like, wow, he plays the shit out of bass. It was just like, you know, or he'd sit down at a drum kit and then he'd play like this coolest, simplest. So you go, how does he do that? I mean, yeah. whatever he did when he touched it, it just, it just spoke. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So you, you sound there, there was, yeah, there was, there was that thing about him, but you know, he was real hardcore. Like we'd cut a track and we go and listen. I go, he said, what do you think? I said, yeah. Um, I don't know. I did some things in there. I really didn't want to do. He goes, well, I guess you shouldn't have done it if you didn't really want to do them. You know, he goes, I like it. Let's keep that one. I was like, Oh, I said, you, he goes, if you said you didn't want it, you didn't like, you didn't want to do them. You just don't do them next time. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but there's no next time for this song. We're going on to the next one. Right. Let's do that. I'm like, all right, you know. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's you know, great. anybody, you know, you make records, you go, ah, you know, I should have done this and it would have been cool to do that. And, you know, they go, yeah, well, um, because he was one of those guys that he plays something to go, yeah, I like that. I played it. He meant to play it. Yeah, and that was one thing yeah. about him. He was so deliberate about things while he was open and inspirational. I go, how do you do that? How do you be absolutely deliberate about everything like that? And, but you're open to the moment and whatever comes out, it's absolutely diehard, heartfelt, deliberate, but it was also a moment of inspiration. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's like, a, it's right. I, it, like, like deliberate, but yet spontaneous, right? It like, yeah, and, right. And a, like, yeah. Which, which are counter to each other really in many ways, but that's, yeah, that's, 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 I know incredible. it's, well, you know, I don't want to make it. I mean, he wasn't perfect. You know, I don't want to make it sound like there was no fault, uh, flaw or fault in any of that, but it was like, yeah, no, I, that's what I'm, you hear him play something we play and you go, I never heard him play that before. He went, I never played it before, but I like it. You go, it's so, so committed and dedicated. And, mm. you know, I went, okay, that's priceless. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that is. I, I was going to read a couple quick comments here. Um, I think, a very good friend of mine, and I think you know him, Davey Wasikinen, plays in the Hooters. Um, yeah. He, he just commented, he said, my band opened uh, at the Wax Museum in D.C. Uh, in 1980. Chris was swinging so heavy back then. He was lights out. Really? So, Thank you. I was? I'm yeah. good. <laughs> you absolutely were. Kidding me? Oh, that, uh, yeah. And, <laughs> just trying to Tim get Reed. better over here, John. Just trying to get better. You know? No, man. I was no, looking I, for the... I'm out. Always looking for the cut and the swing and the tone, you know. All the rest of it becomes incidental. Well, I, you know, you, you thank have, you. Yeah, you're welcome. And 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 I'm speaking for everybody watching right now. That's just they're just all complimentary and um, and and so dig what you do. And and I just I, you know I I keep asking you these questions because what you the way you play to me, Chris, it sounds so like organic and authentic that's why i kept kind of pressing you on the shuffle and like if that was something that that was just sort of innate or it was something you worked on it turns out it, it was something it was kind of a little of both it sounds like and it was it was i think once you had a little bit of direction for lack of a better word you just took to it you know and that that to me that's become your like your it's such a signature thing for your playing it's so beautiful well, I do do, uh, you know, I do do work where I'll do all kinds of things and I'll get done. I went, Oh, wow. Cool. Never, I didn't do one shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I got to, I got Cause I actually, I actually yeah. do. No, I do. I actually can play other things. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, but I, like I said, us guys on the East coast, we, we you know, I'm just, I'm only kidding when I say this, but I'm speaking for myself. I can't play a shuffle to save my life. It's it's, I sound like the, you know. Anyway, we won't go there. Oh, uh, I don't know. You know, I've heard some. I heard some guys. Most of it's lost to history for the most part. I think if you dig around, some really just still. I go, I I listen. To it, I go, how does that guy do that? It's just it's just something. Once again, one of those things you get. You can't write it out, and you can't quite put your finger on it, but it's. You, you hear it or you see it and you go, oh, that's it. That is so cool. That's what I've always, I've always been fascinated in, in the musical sense. It doesn't matter what instrument or what piece of music is. When you come across it and you go, 
there's that magic. We call it magic. It's one word to describe it. Something inside all that. You go, wow, that's really, really, there's something going on in there. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. Nothing like mystery. Nothing like a mystery for the human condition. I got to know what's going on in there. (laughs) No, but they're, they, you know, I, I, I think of, a, you know, guys like Ringo that have some mystery in the way he plays, you know, and, and like the uniqueness, his feel and, you know, Charlie and some of those guys. And I, I put you in that category, too, of like a, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a simple thing to actually play, yet it's just so much about the feel of it. You know, talking about a shuffle, for example, it's just, you know. Yeah, no, those two, those are two big guys. I mean, Ringo and, and Charlie. Um, I was I've been watching Get Back, and I'm like, how yeah. weird is that? I go, hell, it's not weird at all. It's how that's where the sound comes from. You know, like the the shots of Ringo and what he plays, like that's it, baby. It's like that whole the whole actual motion of the life, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I know. I mean, because it you know it all starts here. It starts here, and it works its way out till it finally gets to the tip you know right that's right yeah exactly it's it's um it's how he you know it's his way of executing and it's almost like that's secondary to where it starts from you know i was watching so we were doing this uh, i do that we do these things we call it the jungle show that's a a group that we have it's mike flanagan sue foley me jimmy vaughn and billy gibbons and so i've used this flowered kit that i have and uh I take a bull whip and I hang it on one of the, I hang it on the, the Tom Tom stand. And, and so we were doing this production and I thought, you know, I do, I'm going to take the whip out. And I was like whipping it. And I almost like hit Billy in the face with it. Cause I don't know how to crack a whip. Right. <laughs> um, so somebody said, man, you need to, there's some guys and go, go on YouTube. And I went on YouTube and I watched these guys cracking whips and I was, and I started noticing, I go, every guy that the, the actual crack of the whip was different a little bit different depending on who's cracking the whip. Right. So there's a real technical part about it. Yeah. And then there's a thing that's a little bit of a style and a thing that's kind of like maybe like swinging a golf club or, you know, hitting a a baseball player swinging a bat or, you know, drummer with a drumstick. I was like, yeah, there's something inside all that. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of deal that always gets me fascinated. Like, what is that about that thing? You know, um, now it might be sounding redundant, but um, I'm no, always but I, I think, Yeah, you're right. I mean, and I think you're right. It's, it's a good analogy of like how different people achieve the sound, execute whatever, like you say, the, the, their their grip, their ride cymbal technique, their, you know, like you say, baseball bat swing or golf swing. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, you know, when I went to get my first drum kit, um, yeah, this is one of these great moments. My dad says... Um, we go in and the and the and the Ludwig Octoplus kit had just hit the market, right? <laughs> so they had one in the store window, the big window, and then they had the little downbeat kit, the '64 downbeat sitting over there. And I went, "Wow, Dad!" I go, "I want to get that drum kit, the Octoplus." He goes, "Why no? Why no? Why would you want to get that drum kit?" And I said, "Cause it sounds better." He goes, "I think that drum kit's the one for you." I go, "No, that one sounds better." And then my dad went. I go, what are you doing, Dad? He goes, I'm trying to hear what you're talking about. He goes, I don't really hear the difference in the. He goes, you know what? He goes, I know, I know what it is. He goes, because no one's playing them. That's why I can't hear which one sounds better. I love and it. I, went, I kind, of, I kind of looked at him, and he said, he came over. There was a, a, a symbol on the stand. He goes, you see this this thing right here, the symbol, and he started hitting on it. He goes, he goes, you could hit that thing hundreds of different hundred different ways. And it can sound a hundred different ways. He goes, you can just keep hitting on it and make it sound all kinds of ways. In fact, I bet you would you couldn't run out of ways to hit that symbol and make it sound different. But it's just one symbol. And I was like, huh? I hit on it. I hear what he's talking about. And yeah. so I was like, he goes, yeah, I think this little one's the one for you. He goes, he goes, you only have four limbs anyway, you know. He goes right. with a hi hat and a ride symbol. He goes, you got six pieces here to deal with. You only got four limbs. He goes, yeah, this is your drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> he's a wise man, your dad. And I thought about yeah. him when I was at the North. I know he was, a, you know, he's like, he gave me a lot of things to think about. I was, I thought about that when I was at the North Sea Jazz Festival. And I stopped in one of the, the, the pavilions and watched Joe Morello do a 10-minute drum solo just on his hi-hat. And I yeah. went, you know what? Yeah. My dad, 
my dad. I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I know. I know. It's. Uh, I think the older we get, too, the more we really appreciate stuff like that, too. Like the 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 fact that you can get a hundred sounds out of one symbol, and and but when we're kids, we think you need a hundred symbols to get a hundred sounds. You know, that's. You know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we it's, do. <laughs> we do. We think that, and and then, but we need the, the wisdom of our of our dads to say, no, you know what? You just need to learn how to play that symbol, and get those sounds out of it. And uh, I, I and I love yeah. the challenge of that of having a couple of symbols, four drums, and and getting a lot of sounds out of them. Yeah, it's kind of crazy making really um, for me. And that when I, Stevie was the first person that I ever heard talk about, he said, I only play for tone. He said, I don't really, all the rest of it just kind of comes after all that. I go, what do you mean by that? He said, tone, you know, to get good tone. And he was playing his guitar and playing it all these kind of different ways. And you hear something, you go, wow, that sounds rich. And, you know, I realized that all the people that I really love, they got great tonality. Yeah. The quality of their sound is just rich and deep and priceless. And it's not like I can play all these notes and I kind of run right through them, whatever it is, yeah. but they hit it and they go, man, that sounds like something. Each right. note sounds like something. Um, so back to the symbol thing, you know, we're hitting the drum. It's like, you know what? I'm not, something's going on where I, I want, you know, I want to get, I want to lay this in there better in the groove and getting in the cut and, hitting it in a different way. So, I mean, I can sit and just hit the drum and go, wait a minute and listen to like, what does that actually really sound like? Yeah. And each one of those, what do they really sound like other than I'm just doing those? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's endless. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of crazy making because you can sit there and do all that and go, you know, you go, well, you got my thing, right. But do my thing, you know, here's my thing, you know, but to get deeper in size, like, you know, is that thing as, as quality as it can be? And, and it's, it is kind of crazy making because once again, I can hit the symbol 200 different ways, yeah. you know, and go, but which way are you hitting it right now in regards in relation to all the way, the ways you're hitting everything else that you're hitting? And what do those things sound like? And, you know, how do they fit in music? And then what are you doing? And, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I know, no, I think that's, to me, it's like, it's, it's part of the whole you know, composition of being a musician is, is, is your sound. And I, I, I speaking for myself and I'm not you, I'm not a, I'm not a pro drummer, you know, but like I could, I could give a shit about how well I play really on a gig. I mean, I want to play well, but if my drums sound good, I'm happy. And, and the, the best compliment anybody can ever pay me another drummer in the audience is, Hey, your drums sound great. Yeah. I'd rather hear that than, man, you, you play really fast or I, you know, it's nice to people tell you, you play great, you sound good, whatever, but I want to know how the drums sound. And when people say the drums sound really good, that makes me happy. You know, that make I feel like, okay, that's great. I, I can, I can relax, you know, they sound, you know what, that's, that's like the other part of that, you know, it's for me is that when, when I'm dealing with somebody in front, especially like an in front of house engineer, they say, God, the drums sound killer. I'm like, good. And then the band says, it's great. I didn't even know you were back there. <laughs> those, those, <laughs> yeah. those two things together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually started doing a solo recently in Kenny's band. I do a little about 16 bar break and um, everybody's doing all kinds of, everybody takes a swing at it. And I thought, oh, you know what? Great. I want to see how little I can do and see how good I can make it speak. And I've had real fun with that. Um, I bet. Yeah. And I don't really, I'm not into drum solos. It's not a solo. It's almost like a, um, a drum. What is it? You know, well, everything's like going on and then yeah. it's a break, but everything's going on. Great trumpet solo, great sax solo, keyboards, bass, bass solo, even, you know, bass then it solo. stops. It's a boom, but you know, and a, uh, the guitar took so man, you look like a, you sound like whip, you sound like whip Shaughnessy, man. <laughs> <laughs> Old school. Uh, yeah. My dad, my dad used to, my dad swinging. used to, yeah. my dad used to uh, keep me up or he'd wake me up when, when buddy, when buddy was on Carson Yeah. and he'd say, come on, we're going to watch this. 
And he always say, and then one of the things he say, he goes, you see that? He goes, what do you notice about that? He goes, I go, wow, I just, it's great. He goes, no, you see something else about that? I go, he goes, you see how easy that looks? Mm. I go, yeah. He goes, that's greatness. He goes, greatness is when somebody does something in such a way that you look at it and you think, you know what? I could get up there and do that right now too. He goes, that's greatness. And that they, you see, you think that you could get up and do that because it looks so easy. Mm. I went, wow, that's heavy. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do my dad and, and my mom, I'd get to step and watch buddy too. And, and I always felt so like, uh, inspired, you know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd want to, the next day after school, I'd want to play my drums and try to play what I could, thought I could remember him playing, you know, of course I could. Oh, but. yeah. Well, there was a point to that too, because, because people say, yeah, you look like you're kind of like doing nothing. It's, and it's real easy. I go, I actually used to practice just that. <laughs> <laughs> I put a mirror up and go, make it look like you're doing nothing. And, and actually I wasn't really doing much of anything anyway, but I made it look real easy. <laughs> I used to, it's almost like I go at another time, I'd be embarrassed to say that. But I was like, yeah, I'm gonna make this look really easy. I mean, I'm not really doing much anything, but you know, and we go, we actually, anybody could actually do what you were just doing. But you know, your so, style, I go, maybe, maybe that's where the uh, people say, hey, you'll make you look like you're not doing anything, man. You look really easy. I actually practiced that. Well, that you know what, when I when I see you play, you play really like. Uh, you know, like not that you're not doing anything, but if you close your eyes, it, it's there's like you make it look very effortless and until you kind of really break down what you're doing. And like, you know, I keep talking about shuffles and stuff like that. But that's yeah, that's you know, you've got a very relaxed kind of like, you know, you don't look like you're you're like, you know, it's not like you're some guy, you know, slamming away and. And killing yourself, which is which is great. You look very relaxed and very in control, and and you know, like it's easy. So all those years of watching yeah. Buddy paid off. They did. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work fooling people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so we're we're getting we're getting close on time. I was going to see if you wanted to just maybe show everybody a couple of your cool drum sets and snare drums and. If you, if you feel like, Oh it. God. Okay. But sure. you, but, you uh, know, if, if it's, if it's going to mean messing up the camera angle, don't, don't worry. We can, we can just nah, hell with that. Come on. We can, I can riff. Let's see how good of it. Uh, this is All my right. studio. It's a total mess. So let me put my glasses on here. I'm gonna let y'all see the ceiling first. Yeah. I gotta, I, I, yeah. Gotta have my glasses on. There's a okay. bunch of zilch and symbols I think I might have gotten from John to Christopher. I think so. Through the years. Through the years. I've Very nice. A, got a Ludwig classic maple there. We got the Tama Art Star with the uh, Archangel's front head on it. Look at that. Um, Uh-oh. That's my messy as hell desks. It's all right. It's where you get the work Heard done. That. Is, is this working? Yeah. Hope they won't staff my oh, my Lone Star beer sign somebody gave me. A little picture. Can I? Can you see all this? Is this yeah, translating? I can see, oh, right. I can see. I can see. There's the my old band. Yeah. Look at that, man. Some Grammys. A few Grammys. Some Grammys in the clutter. Love it. That's what my wife. That's what my wife doesn't want to come in here. She's like, God, I can't believe all that junk you got going on in there. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. Snare drum. I'm trying to take a look. Okay, there's my candy corn kit. Part of my snare drum collection. You know, none of this. I did. You know what? I, I'm glad I purposely didn't come over here and start cleaning up and organizing, so yeah. I could show everybody how together everything always is. <laughs> there's a. I got about. A little bit shy of 60 snare drums. For some reason, I'm obsessed with snare drums. No, you're not the only one, Chris. You're not the only. There's there's another Ludwig kit, looks like. There's my uh, oh, original the, Tama that's the, Superstar. That's the Superstar, yeah. 
That's the first kit I played with Stevie. I got some fives. There's my 65 downbeat kit. I used to replace the original. Yeah. Classic maple, you know. Beautiful. Shot of the shot of the whole deal. B3 Oregon. Can you see it? I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. And um, ooh, my 1950 set of um Gretsch. Oh, you told me about these guys. Can I can is that working? Yeah, yeah. John's that- gonna John, get your is it pink champagne? Is that the finish on that? The the wrap? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Man. And uh oh look at this. I wanted to show you this is really John Aldridge. Let me see if I can get on this. The can great you see John that? Aldridge. Oh yeah. Look at that. He engraved that for you. He did. Kurt Walter did a signature model for me. Yeah. This model. He liked my Ludwig Black Beauty. And he said, I want to get you into one of my drums. And so he decided to make a five by 14 that he never made. And then him and John got together and wanted to do something with whip. And I went, well, I don't, I don't really care. I don't really know what to do about that. And so they came, John came up with this idea and then put it on this drum. Wow. Is that reading? Can can you see all that? Can see it. Can see it beautifully. Yes. Yep. The details coming through. Let me, um, Beautiful drum. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It sounds great. Um, it's, it's a, a brass, great, it's a great sounding drum. Brass shell. It's, it's, yes, it is. Fantastic. Um, that's kind of, um, that's oh, a nice tour. It's a nice, nice drum room. The uh, drum man cave, my wife calls it. Yeah. And I'm good with that. Man cave. Yeah. Man cave. <laughs> well, buddy, thank you so much for doing this. This has been an absolute pleasure today. And, and uh, I know everybody really dug it. I want to thank everybody for watching. And, and, and just, you know, I know there have been some great questions here and we couldn't get to everything, but. Um, Chris, if you want to go on, this will be on Facebook for a little while. You can take a look at some of the comments and questions if you feel inclined to answer any of them or not. Cool. Um, right. I got to get on Facebook. I'm, I'm kind of off Facebook. Yeah. I'm still on Facebook. I don't go on Facebook. But, you know, um, maybe I'll take a look. This is something. You're special. I always, I always <laughs> love working with you. I'm sorry Thanks, you buddy. retired. Well... John, come back to work, man. <laughs> I miss working with you. I do. Anyway, I, I always appreciate talking to you. Thanks, buddy. Me too. You but, too. You too. I had a good time with you. Well, we'll stay in touch. And if, if you make it out this I told way, my, 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 I'll see you. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I will. I'll get a, I'll get a hold of you. I'll let you know. Um, and um, we'll hook up in person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Good. Yeah. Well, again, my pleasure being here. Thank you for doing this today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure having you. And everybody, thank you so much for watching. Big hand for Chris Layton, the man. You can see all the hands clapping. Cool. Bye, everybody.